I just want to start out by giving thanks to God above that someone else did the announcements this week at Downtown Harbor Church, because my goodness, it's just been a rich, levy, a rich, heavy, laden vein of comedy for us for years, but for months here with John at the announcements. But oh, Emily, th- let's give her one more hand because that. Gosh, for once, they were not brutal. Okay, anyway, for those of you who don't know and you're new, John, the stooge in the back at the board, he usually does the announcements, but anyway, we've replaced him, which is exciting. Anyway, welcome to Downtown Harbor Church. I'm Adam. I'm the lead communicator around here. This is an exciting day for us because we are wrapping up a three-week series called Dysfunction 101. And if you weren't here the last couple of weeks, I totally would encourage you, go back and check these out online. We have been taking a look at the life of a guy by the name of Joseph in some of the early earliest scripture ever recorded in the book of Genesis. We've been looking at his life and his journey and all of the dysfunction that kind of went along with his story. So this week we're going to wrap it up and I just have to tell you, I'm not a very emotional person. I don't get emotional very often, but as I was continuing to review the message this week, I just couldn't help but just be a little bit overwhelmed by how this story wraps up. I couldn't help but read it and understand it and unpack it and research more about it to go, what a story and what a journey this is. And if we let us, that this story has the ability to actually change each one of our lives. So I would just encourage you today, let this soak in. Let this kind of sink on your heart and let it just kind of work through you because this is a powerful, powerful story today. But I have a question before we begin. And I want you to kind of just think about it. Is there anything worse? Is there anything worse than someone telling you about their dream? I don't mean like their hopes and dreams for the future. I mean like their actual dream. Like, you know, when they wake up and they're like, hey, listen, I want to, you know, this happened to me. And so like my wife, she's not here today. She's on shift at Broward Health in the emergency room. Hopefully you don't have to see her. Okay. But um, she always will wake up from time to time and she'll she'll go, I had the craziest dream. And like, she's always, right? She's always in second grade. And like her boyfriend was from second grade was there. And like, they don't know what they were talking about, but they were on the subway. And like, so maybe you've heard people describe dreams to you. And like, I just said to her one day, I said, Caitlin, this is brutal. I have no idea what this means. This is something we're talking about that is a fabrication in the future. I have things to do today. And ultimately I said, because at the end of all your dreams, things end up really good for you. At the end of all my dreams, I fall off a mountain. I don't know if you're like me, but like I'm always plummeting to my death at the end of my dreams. And so anyway, the reason I say that is because we're going to talk about dreams today. We're going to talk about some dreams that were interpreted, and it's just really important for us to kind of think about that. So the next time someone tells you, I had the craziest dream, you are going to remember this, trust me, and you're going to think about how brutal it is having to sit there and listen to what the dream is. But we are in the middle, actually we're wrapping up Dysfunction 101, we've been talking about this guy Joseph. We've been talking about this very special man, this special person who was was born with abilities and gifts from God that other people didn't have. And see, Joseph related to his family. It was a really unique story because his father, Jacob, put those words in your mind, those names in your mind, because there's a lot of J's. His father, Jacob, it said in the scripture, he loved Joseph the most because Joseph was born to him in an old age. And Joseph was loved more than any one of his others, of his other siblings. Joseph was the chosen one. And Joseph, because he was, his father gave him this very special, beautiful coat. I've talked about it. It's the coat from the musical. You've seen it. Or if you're a Seinfeld fan, you've seen Cosmo Kramer wear it in the episode where he's walking down the street with the white hat, right? And here's the deal. His brothers, because Jacob loved him so much, his brothers hated him. 
So his brothers attempted to kill him. And they said eventually, well, why should we kill him? Let's just throw him down a well. Maybe he can starve to death there. We don't need any blood on our hands. And after they decided to do that, they said, we got another idea. Let's go ahead and let's sell him into slavery. Might as well make some money if we're doing it. So that's what they did. It was very dysfunctional. It was very bad. It was a horrific family moment. And they sold him into slavery. And sure enough, Joseph ended up in the home of Potiphar in Egypt. Potiphar was the captain of the palace guard. And Potiphar had a wife. And sure enough, Potiphar's wife loved Joseph because he was so like masculine and beautiful, the, the scripture says, and he was very handsome. And so like she wanted like him to sleep with her. And he said, no, I can't do that. So what did she do? She lured him in and kind of came up behind him and took a piece of his robe and then claimed to her husband that Joseph tried to rape her. And so Joseph then, because if you're Potiphar and your wife says it, you believe it. So Joseph then was in big trouble. What happened then? He got thrown into jail. They tossed him into a cell. The worst kind of human treatment that could ever be given to a person, right? He was thrown in jail. But as we talked about last week, God was with him. God promised to never leave his side. The scripture says that. And so Joseph was blessed even in the darkest moments of his life. And he rose to power and started to have some control over what was going on in the prison as well. He rose to authority there even though he was a prisoner. But Joseph had a special gift. Joseph had a gift that many people did not have. In fact, very, very, very few throughout any kind of history have had this dream. Joseph was a dreamer. Joseph not only dreamt and could see things before they happened, the impossible becoming possible, but Joseph was this guy who not only did that himself, but he could interpret other people's dreams. And that's where we come to today. We come to this scene in a prison cell where there's Joseph and now others there with him. Genesis chapter 40, if you have a scripture or you want to look on your phone, you can definitely open it and follow along with us. If not, don't worry about it. All of the text will be on the screens above your head or on the screen here to my right. So it says this, we're in jail. Sometime later, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and chief baker offended their royal master. Pharaoh became angry with these two officials, and he put them in the prison where Joseph was, in the palace of the captain of the guard. So Pharaoh, kind of a temper maybe, gets angry with these guys and tosses them into jail alongside Joseph. Potiphar's jail, the captain of the palace guard, really high position, right? This is a big deal where Joseph is. So the two of them are there, and they said to him, hey, we both had dreams last night. But no one can tell us what they mean. So they go to Joseph, and this was Joseph's reply. Interpreting dreams is God's business. Joseph replied, go ahead and tell me your dreams. Do you know what I think Joseph was saying in this moment? I think Joseph was saying, I have a special gift from God. Man cannot do this on, its, on his own. Man could never interpret dreams on his own. This is a special gift that I have from God. So you know what? I even might be able to interpret your dream, but here's the deal. Here's the truth. This is only because God has given me this gift. I have a gift from God. So some people ask me all the time at downtown Harbor Church, hey, I want to do some more during the week. I kind of want to go deeper. What should I do? I don't have time to unpack every one of these dreams with you guys today, but if you have a chance, go ahead and read these during the week. It's really cool to kind of see the dreams and how amazing they are and what Joseph says about them. 
But Joseph was a man of integrity. Joseph would always tell the truth even when it was bad. So he listened to their dreams and he told them what they meant. And here is what he said. He goes, hey, boys, sometimes there's good news. Sometimes there's bad news. And that's really the truth about any situation in each one of our lives, isn't it? Because he said to the cupbearer, hey, things are looking up for you, buddy. Don't worry, your dream means that eventually you will be restored to your position with Pharaoh. You had a dream and you will be restored to your position. Baker, sorry buddy, you're going to be killed by Pharaoh. He's going to kill you. Even though that was probably very difficult news to unpack and difficult news to take, Joseph, who was a man of integrity, told them what God had laid on his heart in the interpretation of those dreams. There's a lot of details to this story, so just kind of stay with me, okay? So the question is, would this come true? The question is, was Joseph a quack, or was this actually reality, and would this come to fruition? So sure enough, Pharaoh's birthday came three days later, and he prepared a banquet for all of his officials and staff. He summoned his chief cupbearer and chief baker to join the other officials, right? He goes, all right, boys, we're having a party. Bring those two guys who are in jail. I put them there. Bring them back up to me. Bring them up here so that we can kind of have this party together. He then, coming true, he then restored the chief cupbearer to his former position so he could again hand Pharaoh his cup. Heck of a job, by the way, right? Here you go, buddy, okay? That's the deal. He could hand Pharaoh his cup, but what about the baker? Joseph said what would happen to him, what happened? But Pharaoh impaled the chief baker, just as Joseph had predicted when he interpreted his dreams. Pharaoh impaled the chief baker. He killed him, just as Joseph said that he would. Now, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another Here's what I want you to know. Joseph, who has gone through so much, and I just described that. Pharaoh's cupbearer, who went back to his position. Joseph had did him a favor. He had said to him, I'm going to interpret your dream and tell you what this means. However, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. And I want you to know this. Between the current events that I'm talking about and the next ones that I'm going to talk about, the scripture says there was two years between what I'm talking about now and what I'm about to get to. Do you even know how long that is? And Joseph, this guy who has already been through so, so much, is now in prison and he has to wait another two years before the next set of events happen. Well, I'll tell you this. I've gone through this story time and time again. I have read it over and over again, and the one thing that I consistently am reminded of, and I think based on what I hear is this, in this story, is that if I were Joseph, I would have given up. If I were Joseph, I would have thrown in the towel. If I were Joseph, I wouldn't have wanted to get back up on my feet. Because of all the stuff that happened, my family turned my back on me. The lies and accusations about me, and now I'm in a prison cell. I would have wanted to give up. But here's what you need to know about persevering. Here's what you need to know about not giving up and how important it is. If you're going to persevere, you have to have patience. Patience is the key to perseverance. Patience this very difficult thing to do. Being patient is so hard, but if you look at the life of Joseph, if you look at this guy who didn't throw in the towel, there's two years between what I just talked about and now where we're going next. Can you even imagine the patience that this guy had to have? 
Can you, can you imagine what he went through and how difficult it must have been? So in your life, when you think that you can't put one foot in front of the other anymore, in your life, when you think that things are bad, in your life, when you don't know how you're going to make it to the next thing or the next day, don't ever forget that patience is the key to perseverance. Sometimes it takes longer than you think. Sometimes it doesn't go the way that you want it to. Sometimes it's going to be way longer than you think you should wait, but patience is the key to perseverance. So Joseph, still in jail. And then something happens with this guy, the ruler, the leader of all of Egypt the person in charge of everything. And this is not like it is today in our political system. Things were very different back then. This guy could do whatever he wanted. This guy was in charge of all of the land in Egypt. Pharaoh was a very important person in human history. This is true about Pharaoh. Think King Tut. Think like if, you, if your mind's trying to go to somewhere, think a, a ruler with an iron fist, right? But here's something that's true about Pharaoh. Pharaoh also had dreams that needed interpretation. Pharaoh also dreamt, and they disturbed him, and he didn't know what to make of it. Check this out. The next morning, after he had the dream, Pharaoh was very disturbed by the dreams. So he called for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. When Pharaoh told them his dreams, not one of them could tell him what they meant. So who's a bystander to this? Cupbearer. The guy who was restored because Joseph interpreted his dream. And all of a sudden, the cupbearer goes, oh, boss. He didn't really say that, okay? But he goes, oh, hey, there's a guy in the captain of the palace guard's prison who interprets dreams. They're like, really? All right, bring him up. So what do they do? They go get Joseph from the prison and bring him to Pharaoh. Now, remember, imagine this scene. This is a a unique situation that the ruler of a nation is now speaking to a prisoner and he tells him about these dreams and I would totally encourage you this week to go back and read all of these dreams that Pharaoh had because it's really unique stuff but Joseph comes up and I'll tell you about one of them Joseph comes up and Pharaoh goes I had this dream and in the dream there were seven really like juicy plump cows seven cows okay like, I'm like thinking steak 954 at this point. Like, I'm just ready to go, okay? That's at the W if you haven't been. It's phenomenal, okay? And then there are, um, and then there are next to the kind of in the area of those seven plump cows are seven like kind of weak, emaciated cows. And, wh and what does that mean? And, how, and, and Joseph, help me to understand what that means. And then there were more dreams that Pharaoh told Joseph about, and he interpreted those too. And here's what he said about those dreams. He said, hey, Pharaoh. Here's what those dreams mean because God has given me a special ability to be able to interpret them. This is what it means. You're going to have seven years of good. Things are going to be really good around here for seven years. In fact, it's going to be your best. It's going to be amazing. You're going to have seven years of plump, juicy crops. Everything's going to be great for you. But when those seven years end, you're going to have seven years of bad. And it's going to be really, really bad. So imagine being the ruler of a country and a prisoner who has a special gift tells you what your dreams mean. And there's going to be seven years of good. It's going to be a great harvest. It's going to be better than we've ever expected. And then it's going to be really, really, really bad. So this is what Pharaoh said. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, this is so big. This is so important. Don't miss this. He said, since God 
has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you. Clearly no one else is as intelligent or as wise as you. Joseph, just because God has revealed the meaning to you, no one is as intelligent or wise as you. Basically, where have you been? In jail? No one's as wise as you. You will be in charge of my court, and all my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. Attempted murder, sold into slavery, false accusation in his master's home, thrown in jail, and now he is risen to power under Pharaoh as the highest position in the land. No one has more authority than him. From the outhouse to the penthouse, Joseph persevered, and he did not ever, ever give up. Sure enough, Joseph was right, and there were seven great Years And so what Joseph did because he was in charge, he kind of stocked up. He stocked up on grain and crops because it was an amazing harvest because he knew what was coming next. So Egypt was ready for this famine to happen. And sure enough, what happened? Famine swept across the land seven years later, meaning people were starving People were dying. Famine is terrible. There was nothing for these people to eat. But Joseph and his country, because he rose to power and knew this was coming because of the ability God had given him, he prepped for it, and Egypt lived on those crops as famine swept across the land. Well, this famine didn't just affect Egypt. This famine spread to surrounding countries surrounding communities. It was really, really bad. It even spread to Joseph's family. That's right, the family who tried to kill him and then sold him into slavery. And so Jacob, Joseph's father, had heard that Egypt was doing really well. He heard that they had stored up grain enough to get through this famine. So you know what he did? He said to Joseph's brothers, hey, guys, I want you to take a trip and go down there and see if we can get some to bring it back to us. Here's where the moment is about to happen. Because Joseph's family, who has betrayed him worse than any family betrayal could be, what they did to him, they're about to come face to face with his brother, with their brother. And who do you think is in charge of all of the distribution of grain and crops from Egypt? That's right. It's Joseph, the guy who they tried to kill and sold into slavery. So sure enough, and just don't don't miss the tension here because it's so thick. Because imagine this moment happening if it were you. Imagine what it would look like for you and your family if this moment was about to come. Because the brothers ended up in Egypt, and sure enough, they ended up right before Joseph asking for crops. And the coolest thing is, Joseph immediately knew who they were. Joseph immediately knew who those guys were, and they had no clue that it was him. He had no, they had no idea if he was even still alive. They sold him as a slave. And why would this guy that they sold as a slave so many years ago have risen to power in a very powerful position? So they had no idea that it was him. 
But Joseph knew it was them, big time. And so you know what? We think Joseph is a little bit of a, he's a guy who has a lot of integrity, a guy who God was on their side. But you got to admit, let's just be honest for a second. If your family had tried to kill you and sell you into slavery, even though you might want to forgive them, you might play with them just a little bit the first time you see them, right? So that's exactly what Joseph did. And for three chapters in Genesis, Joseph and his brothers go back and forth. I don't have time today to unpack every one of those details, but read it this week. It is super detailed, and it's interesting to watch what Joseph does to them because he plays with them a little bit. He accuses them of being spies, even though he knows who they are. He sends them back to Israel to get another brother and come back. And sure enough, they end up in this room in his home having a meal, and they're wondering, why is he having us over to have a meal? This guy's in charge of Egypt. Is he going to kill us? He thinks we're spies. Who is this guy? And what does he want with us? And there finally is a moment where Joseph, probably led by God, says it's time to reveal to these guys who I am. It's time to reveal who I am. So he says, hey, all right, I'll tell you the truth. My name's Joseph, and I'm the brother that you attempted to kill and sell into slavery. And the scripture says that when his brothers were there, and Joseph told them this, that he wept. And he wept loud enough for the entire land of Egypt to hear. That's a pretty loud cry. But that's what was being carried around by this man. That's what was being carried around by Joseph and what had happened to him. And so now his brothers now know who he is, and he's in this position in Egypt. And do you know that at this point, they are shaking in their boots. They are wondering what is going to happen to us because this guy who we betrayed and we turned our back on, he is totally going to wipe us out. He is going to kill us because back in the day, that's just what you did. That's what happened. And so they are wondering, Joseph, what are you going to do to us? What are you going to do? And Joseph's reply should change every one of our lives. And Joseph's reply and what he does next should change our futures, it should change our communities, and it should change the way that we view God and that we treat other people. Because this is what he said. He said, but Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. And then he says this. He says, no, boys, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. Those who betrayed him, those who turned their back on him, those who wanted him dead, those who would have done anything to have Joseph out of their lives. He said, don't be afraid. I'll continue to take care of you and your children. So reassured them by speaking kindly to them. I want to land on that sentence for just a second because it's so important. When Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery right before, there was a verse in the scripture where they talked about how much they hated him and what was said about the way that they viewed him. And here's what it said. He said, but his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them 
They couldn't say a kind word to him. They couldn't say a kind word to him. They couldn't say a kind word to him. So do you know what Joseph did? He completely, radically flipped the switch. And he said, he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. I believe the author of this scripture used that word so that we would understand the direct contrast between the way Joseph's family treated him and the way Joseph treated his family. And the scripture then says that Joseph wept and kissed every one of his brothers. Do you know what this is? Do you know what this means? Do you know why this is so important? Because this is radical forgiveness. This is something that should not happen. Joseph didn't have to forgive these people. Joseph didn't have to do it. He could have had them killed immediately. And you know what? He probably had every single right to do that. But Joseph said, no. I know that I can radically forgive you. How do I know that? Because God first forgave us. And that's why we can extend this to other people. So it's important for us to understand how important this is because when we say yes to Jesus and believe that he is who he said that he was, then we experience radical forgiveness with God. But furthermore, because I believe Jesus just wasn't about the future. He wasn't about the next life. Jesus was also so much about the here and now. Jesus cared about today. He cared about your future and our city and our community. And so what we need to do with radical forgiveness, we need to extend it to other people people who don't deserve it, people who've betrayed us, people who've turned their back on us. You know how I know that we need to do this? Because I look at the life of Joseph as an example, the way we should live. Joseph was a person who transformed human history. Joseph was a person who we probably might not even be sitting here today had he not did what he did. And so think about this. Think about what we talk about around here all the time that Jesus said to us, hey, gang, you got some things wrong. Let me clear it up. You want to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Here's what you do. You love your neighbor as yourself. And you show love, forgiveness to those around you, even if it's in a radical way, just like Joseph did to his family. Do you know that after this, what happened Joseph said to all of his brothers, he said to all of them who betrayed him and lied about him and tried to kill him, he said, here's what you now do. Go bring your families to come live with me. Radical forgiveness. And to his dad, Joseph, is he still alive? Yeah, go get him, bring him. So when Jacob heard that Joseph was still alive after all these years. You know what he said to his brothers, his sons, Joseph's brothers? He goes, I don't believe you. Not going to happen. And then he went to bed one night and God woke him up with a dream. And he said, Jacob, your son is alive. Go to Egypt and see him with the rest of your family. And the scripture says that Jacob went and saw Joseph for the first time. So important. And he just wept. He wept uncontrollably. And you know what he said to his son? This is what he said. He said, I can now die because I know that you're alive. That changes everything. All because 
of radical forgiveness, because of perseverance, because Joseph had it. We need to take his example and do it too. So I'll tell you this. Your story, wherever you're at, probably isn't as dysfunctional as Joseph's. Your story probably isn't that severe, even though we all are a mess. Listen, I'm telling you, those of you who know me personally, and like, if you don't, you might someday we'll have coffee. I'm a mess. Like, I'm dysfunctional. Like, it was, I'm just a disaster. Like, I had brunch with a friend last week, and afterward, she was like, man, you've been a hot mess. And I was like, I know, I am. I'm dysfunctional, but here's the deal. Don't quit. Because whatever your situation is, however bad it is, your situation probably isn't as bad as what Joseph went through. And you know what would have happened had he quit? We wouldn't have seen this story unfold. We wouldn't have been able to see the radical forgiveness that existed. We, would, we wouldn't have been able to see a father reconnect with his most loved son. And that's dysfunctional in its own way. But you know what? That's what happened. And Jacob loved him so much. Had Joseph quit, had he thrown in the towel, we would have never talked about this today. But he didn't. Here's what I want you to know. Don't give up, because you never know the end of the story. Don't give up. You don't know how your story is going to end if you throw it in the towel. There have been times in my life where I wanted to quit, whether it was a relationship or a job or a mission or a journey. And you know what? God willing, I will never throw in the towel because he is writing a bigger story through each one of our lives. He is writing a bigger story of restoration and redemption over and over again. And if you decide to quit, no matter how bad your circumstance is, you will never see the end of the story. So pursue relationships, love your family, get involved in your community, and watch what he does through you. And above all else, radically forgive others and love your neighbor as yourself. Because that's what Jesus said was the most important thing we could ever do. Today, here and now. Not after we're gone. Do it. That way you get to see the end of your story. Don't give up. Let me pray for us. Dear God, thank you so much for who you are and what you do in our lives. And I am, um, I'm just thankful for the story of Joseph. And what's been so cool around here is to watch people just go, you know what, I've never heard that story before. And I want to know how it ends and, and see how I can apply that to my life. And things can be different. Things in my community can be different. Things in my family can be different. Dear God, would you please go before us and help us to understand it today how we need to understand it. So that we can figure out how to live a life of perseverance like Joseph did. How to not quit. How to radically forgive. How to make things right in any way we can with the people who should be closest to us, our family. God, thank you for the story of Joseph. I'm so excited about who you are and what you do. Help us to process it and apply it as we each individually need to today. In Jesus' name, amen.